rise up young man, rise up young lady, you are not alone, no matter what you're going through, it is going to pass, you're gonna come out the other side, keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Our guest today is Kayla. Hi everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hi Kayla. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well today. It's doing a beautiful day. It is. It is a it's beautiful sunny. day. And we're about to take these finals. Yes, ready, ready to take the finals. Yeah. Yeah. So, where did you grow up, and how was life growing up? Um. So I grew up in Brownsville, Texas, and that's about five and a half hours south of Austin, where we are now. Um, it's a border town, and it's the southernmost tip of Texas. Um, it's I grew up with uh, two more sisters. I'm a middle child. I like to believe that I suffer from middle child syndrome. (laughs) I always craved attention growing up. Um, My sister, my family, they're pretty close-knit community. Um, My parents, I don't think I ever lacked anything because they always gave me the resources that I needed, Uh, always told me that school was really important. Um, but we did grow up in a very low-income community mm-hmm. and I think that was really one of the struggles growing up um, not knowing or not realizing that money really mattered in this world um, both of my parents they immigrated into the US when um, my mom was pregnant with me and so that was another obstacle like growing up um, I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but um, there's actually a border patrol checkpoint. So growing up, we I never had family vacations. I We could never travel two more hours north of Brownsville, so I never left Brownsville growing up. So in school, I guess the only way I traveled was through competitions that I did in <laughs> school. Um, we did have the beach pretty close by, but yeah, for... For 18 years of my life, I was pretty sheltered, um, didn't know much about the world, um, but I did, I, my parents, I think, really prepared me for, for what Austin had in store for me, so yeah. Wow, wow, that's amazing. So in uh, secondary school, before you got to college, what, was, what were some mountains you had to climb? Ooh, okay, so I actually attended um, a very small school called um, uh, Brown's Early College High School, and so for two years you you're a high school student, mm-hmm. and then for your junior senior year of high school, um, you're in college, and so you're taking college level classes with professors at the university at Texas Rio Grande Valley, um, and when I was a freshman coming in, um, becoming into a sophomore that summer, um, I was really really close to my grandpa. And uh, he he spent a lot of time with us. Um, and I don't think I've told a lot of people or the people that I went to high school with, but my grandpa passed away that summer. And that was really hard for me because growing up, like he was the person that I was really close to and um, he, he was my grandpa. Um, but I think 
just knowing also like that graduation I always said that I never saw myself graduating from high school or I never pictured it because again money was such an issue for us that paying $500 for a class meant that that was in my dad's entire paycheck for bi-weekly paycheck and so for me that was like completely crazy um, and so I, I tried my best because I knew that that was the only way that I was going to get myself to college, that I needed scholarships because I knew that my parents would not be able to support me. Um, and so it was just a lot of stress to put on like a mm -hmm. 16, 15 year old, like your entire future rests on how well you do these four years of high school. And so I was very, I was a very stressed high school student. Um, but again, I had my parents by my side and, and my sisters and I graduated from high school and, and so I climbed that mountain and I was able to graduate as valedictorian and I mean, it was surreal, I think that, oh, wow. yeah, so. Wow, that's crazy, that's crazy. So, as you said, being a low, in a low-income family, like college wasn't always in the plan. When did that change? When did the mentality change? And when did you know that you had to do whatever you had to do? Ooh. to get to where you're supposed to get? Well, my parents always said, they always wanted us to go to, like my sisters and I go to college. My parents didn't have even um, a high school education. I think the my mom had a middle school education. My dad, I think he went up to fourth grade. Um, but for me, I think, I think it never really, if I'm honest with you, I don't think it ever really hit me that I was going to college, that I was going to physically attend a university that was not in Brownsville, mm -hmm. was when I was finally getting my diploma walking across the stage. And, um, and knowing that my parents would not have to worry about finance. Just crying because it was it was going to be I didn't even care where I got in anymore it was college was real and I was going to go to college um, and so yeah I yeah so that's I guess that's when, wow. when things got real that's amazing <laughs> that's that's an amazing feeling so were there uh, growing up did you have people who went to college around you were there um well no like I said my parents did not attend college um, so I am a first-generation student. Mm -hmm. um, cousins obviously did, um, but again, I had come from a family of immigrants, and so I think my cousins who are my age, mm -hmm. they're the ones that are now ex are able to go to college and were able to go to college, and so, and I think high school, the high school that I attended, really like put that into perspective. Um, again, I think. Brownsville's like characterized as like one of the poorest cities in the nation and mm -hmm. it, to be honest like it doesn't have the best image mm -hmm. in like the nation and when the New York Times decides to write an article about it it's always about how poor Brownsville is and so you grow up with with these outsiders mm -hmm. telling you like you are this and sure one in like 500 get out of Brownsville and that's a success story but um, I think I think Brownsville has so much more to offer, and I think I'd like to believe that I'm like I'm an example of that, you know. Yeah, that's so. real. That's real. Mm -hmm. And those statistics 
have have effect on people that people don't realize. Yeah. So you said that you always had your parents were always there to tell you that education is important, mm -hmm. but living in in that environment where you didn't see there was no role model who went mm -hmm. to college and went through it. What kept motivating you to keep working hard? Um, be valedictorian in high school. I think it was knowing that I think something that my mom always told me, it's like, you have to be able to help yourself first before you help others. And you, it's good, you know, metaphor here, but you in a plane and it's coming crashing down, they always tell you, make sure that you put on your mask first before you can put it on somebody else. And that's true. Like, I, I know that I wasn't going, I wasn't going to be a lawyer and help people like my parents or help the community if I didn't get that education and so um, I'm also very competitive and I think that's also something that my parents really like nourished um, and so that competitive spirit and just trying to be better than who they were as people and so they gave me so much and they provided for me in ways that I couldn't know growing up but I do now realize that as an adult mm -hmm. um, and so they were they were my inspiration they were the ones that kept me you know pushing and um, in school it was just it was just like a fire that was like burning in me that is burning in me and so yeah wow what is it like to be a gate scholar what are mm -hmm. some things that it allow you to do that you never knew you could do? let me tell you as a gate scholar um wow that's a loaded question because i i honestly like i said i didn't grow up traveling i didn't i didn't know a lot about other cultures other than you know mexican-american and so you know, going to Mexico for the weekends or whatever for the summer. I never pictured myself traveling the world, uh, being able to study abroad. I've, I've fallen in love with just traveling. I've fallen in love with just international relations and just the way countries function because I've been given the opportunity to see that in motion. I got to study abroad in Spain, I got to study abroad in Germany, I've seen medieval castles, I've, you know, walked the beaches of Normandy, um, and that's something that the scholarship allowed me to do. You know, it goes beyond the money too, because it, it is true, like, it's great to not worry about money because it gives you an opportunity to think and stress about other things, you know, it's great to not think about how am I going to pay for my apartment, how am I going to pay for those books, and Gates provides that for you, but it also provides a community of students your age and people who are as driven as you, and you know that Mama Duke because you're a Gates scholar, and so you see people who are incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, and you're just so motivated by people who've maybe share the same obstacles as you, who've gone through similar obstacles as you, but that are still going. And and then you're able to see people who are older and who are Gates scholars. And um, I had the opportunity to meet a Gates scholar during our, our Gates conference that you do uh, freshman year in California. Mm -hmm. Her name's Monica Lopez, and she's an attorney in Houston. And I identified with her, and she was such an inspiration. 
and just hearing other people's stories and realizing where they are now it's like wow I can they've gone through so much I can also do it you know mm -hmm. you tread through the mud but but there's great things ahead of that mm -hmm. and so Gates the Gates scholar was just I to say that it was life transforming would be me not necessarily like there aren't words to describe to to tell you how Gates has has changed my life because mm. I mean I never saw myself Brownsville girl who had never traveled the world being able to intern in Israel for a summer and fallen in love with nonprofit organizations and I've I've learned so much so I think Gates, oh, wow. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, at the age of not too long ago, mm -hmm. right? Uh, how old were you? Um, I was nineteen. Nineteen. At the age of nineteen, you you received one of your a life changing call. Um, yeah. About your mother. Yeah. Um, Could you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I apologize. In advance, if I start crying, it's um, um well, let's see. Uh, I had been a year in Austin, and it was it had been great. Um, um, I had gotten really, really close to God, um, and I did great my first year. I think in in Austin, I'd like to believe I got you know a really great GPA, and then during the summer. Um, that summer, 2016, I decided that I was going to stay in Austin and work for a little bit at a law firm and then save up a little bit of money. And um, I was part of this organization called Chi Alpha, and they were doing a missions trip to Taiwan. And growing up, um, my mom was, was a fervent believer in just God. And I mean, I grew up at church, and so um, this was just... I, I like I because I got closer to God I got really close to my mom um, growing up my mom and I just kind of didn't see eye to eye on things but I think God had a plan or someone somewhere had a plan for us and so I was on a missions trip in Taiwan and it was supposed to last two weeks um, and I was so excited about it it was my first time to be outside of the country and then Midway through the missions trip, I get a call from my sister who tells me that my mom had to be rushed to the hospital because she had a really bad pain in her stomach. Um, I, I talked to my mom every single day. Like there wasn't a day that didn't go by that I didn't talk to her. And so for me, it was a really big surprise because I never heard about this pain. Um, and then um, it was it was such a weird time for us because my mom was saying that she didn't want to go to the hospital because then people at the hospital were going to ask for obviously she didn't have any health insurance so they were going to ask for uh, about her immigration status and then that would lead for to for her to be deported and it would just be a mess and she thought she was going to be a burden on on us and just it was going to completely uproot our life and so I remember one of our last conversations with my mom was I remember just yelling at her on the phone telling her like you have to get to the hospital like I don't care like I, you have to get there um, 
And so I was in Taiwan, very far away from Brownsville, and very far away from Texas. And um, the pastor who I was with and, and my Chi Alpha family, like they, they rallied up and they were able to buy me a plane ticket back. Um, the plane, the, that, that ride lasts for like 24 hours. Um, and by the time that I got back, my mom, my mom was already unconscious. Um, she had cancer and uh, the doctor had given her like a prognosis of maybe a month. Um, she went into the hospital on a Friday and she never, she never got out. <laughs> she, she was very, she, she didn't, she wasn't talking anymore when I got there. Um, I remember landing, um, driving, maybe like 15 minutes to the hospital, probably the longest 15 minutes of my entire life. And then getting there and just seeing my mom, who's been, who was my role model, just completely gone. She wasn't there. Um, and I think, I, I, I'd like to believe <laughs> that she was waiting for me to get back and for, for, our, for everybody to just let go completely and um, uh, and then she died a few hours after I landed mm. um, yeah it just happened all so suddenly and and it was it was very hard for me because um, I like I said I talked to her every day and it was it, it was just it came out of nowhere for for our family so yeah wow. <laughs> Wow. So during that 24 hours, you said, uh, coming, what was going through your head? Oh, God. Everything. Everything. I remember replaying every single conversation that I had with her. I, I, I vividly remember this. I was in the middle seat um, on a four, there were four seats and I was in the middle. And there was this little girl sitting next to me and her mom. And I remember just crying and crying and crying because the little girl was like curled up to her mom next to me. And I just remember like rem saying, I, I'm not, I'm not going to have that anymore. I'm not going to have her next to me. Um, my mom had plans for us to just, after Taiwan, I was going to come back and we had so many plans and, you know, those were going to, the, the, she was not going to be there anymore. Um, she wasn't going to see me graduate with my bachelor. She wasn't going to see me graduate with my JD. Like she, she was just not going to be a part of it. And so I replayed every single conversation. Um, I, I have a little sister. I remember just thinking about her a lot, um, thinking about how how this was going to affect her, and how. In a span of a week, I just, like, I, I changed. Like, it just happened so quickly. And so I remember being really, really angry with God um, because I was on a mission trip. And so I was just really angry. I remember crying a lot. I remember thinking about college and just how stupid it was to have stressed about a final exam because in comparison to losing your mother, that's nothing. Um, and so, so many emotions, so many thoughts. 
um, and it was it was very hard. It was very it was the longest plane ride I've been in. Um, yeah. So. Wow. So during uh, after that time, as you said, there were some there were moments where you feel like you you could it was unfair to you there were moments like yeah you feel like you just want to give up how did you keep going <laughs> um there were a lot of moments i wanted to give up <laughs> um on that plane ride on afterwards um i i remember the semester before i had been accepted to go study abroad in spain and I remember being on the phone with my mom and she being really excited. And I, I didn't care anymore. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about going to Spain. Um, I, I wanted so many times to just crawl into a little ball and just for people to turn off the light in the room and for people to just leave me alone. But I had such a wonderful support system around me. I had wonderful friends. Who, who cared and who asked and who reached out to me and my family, my, my aunts, my cousins, my sister, they've, they've been nothing but supportive, um, especially my older sister. Um, she, she and my brother-in-law, they don't live in the US. They, um, he's in the Air Force and so they're stationed um, in Germany. And so it was really hard to not have her physically there with me. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember discussing with her and my dad telling them, you know what, I, because I graduated from an early college, I can graduate in a year with my bachelor's. I'll stop going to UT. I'll transfer here um, to help you out with my little sister and just to help with the transition. And I remember my dad telling me, you are stupid. <laughs> like, your mom would not have wanted that. Um, you're going to go to Spain because I'm, you're going to go to Spain. And so, and so I left. And it, it, was, it was such a bittersweet time. But again, I had a wonderful friends and a wonderful family. Um, who, who talked to me and, and who were just there, would ask about my day. Um, you know, there, I think there doesn't, there, there doesn't go a day that I don't think about my mom. And it, it's hard to not have your mom. And my sister, my older sister, as much as I fought with her growing up and as much as I maybe disliked her, um, she has been a real crutch for me because she's there and I know that if I do stumble and if I do fall, she she will be there, and, and she she'll she'll be there to hold me and to support me. So, wow. yeah. Wow. So your your faith was tested when all this happened. How how did you how did you restore it? How did you? Mama, do these are very deep questions. <laughs> yes, um, my faith. Well, God. G-O-D, the man upstairs, let's say. Um, I was very angry with God. I was very angry, very, very angry. I was very bitter. Um, 
like I said, I grew up in a very Christian home. I grew up going to church every Sunday. Um, I was a Sunday school teacher. Like my life revolved around church a lot. And when I came to Austin, I, I fell upon Chi Alpha and wonderful human beings. Um, Pastor Kelly and his wife, who I like to believe are my spiritual father and mother. They're just, they guided me through my first semester and my second semester, because it's hard, like being a first generation student and, and coming here. And I found my family in Chi Alpha and it, it was great. And I had this like first love with God and just this encounter that I had never had before. And my faith, I think, really, really kept me strong my freshman year. And it led me to be just really, really close to my mom because that's something that we really shared. And, you know, I, you can ask me anything about the Bible and I will, I will know it. <laughs> and I, I, can, I, can, I like to believe that I can answer it. Um, but when my mom passed away, it was, it was like God had taken her from me. And so on a mission strip of all things, like that's so ironic, you know, like how dare you take her away while I'm doing your work. Um, and so I, I drew away from, I drew away from everything that was religion. I drew away from church. I, I said that you know, this didn't help, like, I prayed so much on that plane, I prayed so much before, and it didn't help, it didn't bring my mom back, it didn't cure her from her cancer, and it, like, it really, really tested me, and I don't think that I'll ever be the same, but I can tell you that being bitter and being angry at God didn't help me either. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a period that I just, I didn't care for anything. You could, I did not because I hated God. I hated God with the passion and I drew away from him. And I like to believe now um, that I'm slowly crawling back. Um, it's hard to not have faith in life mm -hmm. because so many good things do happen. Mm -hmm. and. I'm here, and my sisters are here, and my family is here, and that's something to, to be thankful for. And so many good things happen, bad things happen too, but there's a reason for everything I like to believe. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm crawling my way back to, to God, and um, it's just, it's been, a, it's been a really crazy roller coaster ride, and I'm still on it, so. Mm -hmm. I will let you know mm -hmm. how that continues and how my faith continues to grow or, you know, it's, it's, I'm slowly trying to fall in love with God on my own terms, not on, a, not on anybody else's term, mm -hmm. my own term, because it's my faith and it's my journey. So, yeah. Of course. Of course. So I've known you for four years now and Whenever I see you, I always see a smile on your face. <laughs> How do you keep that positivity? How do you keep smiling? Ah, well, ah, uh, let's see. I'm not. Um, I don't. I. I don't. Wow. Yeah. No. Um. You know. I. I don't know, Mama. Do like. It's just. You only have one life, and. If. 
if I'm angry all the time or if I'm sad, like there's so many things to be angry at. There's so many things to be disappointed in. But the truth is, like you said, it's a beautiful day today. That's something to smile about. And so it's just finding the little things and just kind of like moving forward because there's always another day and time doesn't stop. So if time doesn't stop, then I mean, you gotta continue and so might as well be happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that I'm positive all the time because I'm not. Mm-hmm. But um, I also like to see other people smile and, you know, smi- smiling is contagious. contagious. So, um, yeah. That's good. So going back to school, uh, you, you left Bronzeville and came to Austin, one of the biggest universities around the nation, around the world, 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. So coming from that small community and a low-income family and coming here, knowing that you have to meet people, you have to get out mm-hmm. there, how do you keep your identity, like, you know, who you are? Mm-hmm. Because many, many people around here, we are not the same. There are some people who always had what they needed, you know, come from high-income family, and mm-hmm. there are some people who didn't even have a bed growing up. They only had a bed spot. So how did you keep your true self but still integrating? Um, For me, it was really, really hard the first semester coming to UT. Um, I like to joke around and say that I didn't know I was a minority until I came to Austin. Um, I had never seen so many people who were white because I come from a predominantly Hispanic community. And so just, it was the little things that really were offsetting for me and that really like would push my buttons. Like growing up, I didn't go eat out a lot because that was money that was going to be spent. I didn't go to Chick-fil-A every day. I didn't, you know, and seeing people like drop hundreds of dollars on books or like drop hundreds of dollars on a pair of shoes, for me that was like outrageous. And so um, it was really hard for me at first to like make friends because that was something that I clung on to so much. Like I, I'm here because of my parents and because of all their hard work. Um, but what really helped here at UT, it's like I was a part of organizations that connected me with people who were just like me and people who, you know, even if it was through faith, even it was through my high school background. I graduated with 49 people, like that's how small my high school was. Um, And so obviously it was like such a culture shock to just come to Austin and live here, but those little small knit communities around UT, whether it be through ULN, which is like this other scholarship program, Mm -hmm. uh, University of Leadership Network, and they you know they attempt to provide you with tools that help you overcome these things mm-hmm. um, and then you find people in classes who care a lot about what you care about and you know there's there's common ground and so um, I can't say that I'm friends with everybody that I've encountered with because that'd be a lie but it's definitely trying to find these different communities around UT and making them your home. And so that really, really helped me. Um, and I do struggle. I do I do struggle as far as like retaining and not forgetting where I came from because that's easily forgettable when you're in Austin and mm-hmm. you're not living at home anymore and you're not seeing the struggle. 
um, but I remind myself like, hey, like, remind like you're from Brownsville, like your parents, you're here but you came with so little and look at where you're on you know I'm gonna graduate in a few like in a week or so and mm. um, I'm gonna be walking the stage amongst those other people who also who came from like you know from high-income families but we're just we're receiving the same diploma and it's kind of like it kind of leveled the playing field I want to say mm. um, but it was hard it was it was extremely hard because people don't worry about having to send money home. A lot of people don't worry about having to send money home because your parents are in need, you know. The little things are what sometimes put people over the edge and so, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, one of the most exciting things that's on your radar right mm -hmm. now is the Texas 4000. Oh God! How yes. did you get into that, and what what was the journey like? Texas Four Thousand, yes. Um, ooh, so Texas Four Thousand is a nonprofit organization here at UT, and um, it's led by students here at UT. And we bike, saying we sounds weird, from Austin to Alaska during the summer in the fight against cancer. My mom, um, she passed away from cancer, and um, my grandma, my grandpa. Um, and so I remember one summer, um, the summer of 2017, I was studying abroad in Germany, or yeah, I had extended my stay in Germany. And literally, the way I came across from, from for this organization was, I was scrolling through Instagram, through that Instagram feed, mm -hmm. and I saw a bunch of students just wearing those like jerseys, those T4K jerseys. So I clicked on one of the of the pictures, and I read. I went to their website, and it it just in that moment I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for my mom. I'm gonna do this for my family, and so I applied. I didn't think I had gotten in. I cried during my interview. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I don't even own a bike. Like, I think the last time I had ridden a bike was maybe when I was in like a middle school. Mm -hmm. I don't own a bike. Like, I'm, what am I doing? There's so many, but I got in and realized that Texas 4000 is so much more than just cycling. Um, it's a group of students who have been affected by can cancer in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it's a great leadership development program that just, it, like I said, it goes so much more beyond cycling. They, we get to volunteer. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite parts about T4K, the, the fact that you get to interact with the community and realize that cancer affects so many people throughout the US mm -hmm. and you know as part of our journey we we fundraise for me that was really hard besides cycling because cycling is hard um, but just fundraising and you know all of that money goes into grants and mm -hmm. goes to places like Brent's place and we get to bike through these places and we get to interact with hosts and tell them about our mission and tell them that we're much more than just a crazy 85 students <laughs> biking to Alaska. And so we reach a lot of people and 
and I've met so many, so many people along this journey who I dedicate rights to. I, it's hard. Biking is hard. Biking in Austin is hard. Biking to Alaska will be hard. Your thighs burn. Your lungs feel like they're on fire, or my lungs do. Um, I I hurt in places that I never thought I would hurt. Like, how can the soles of my feet hurt? Like, I don't get it. But when you're going up a hill, and it's a really really steep hill, um, you remember the people who you're doing this for because they're the ones that have gotten me through it. Um, and I think one of the most beautiful moments for me personally was about a week ago. We were going up this really nasty hill called Redemption Hill and it's out by West Austin and it's hard. Like it's really, really hard and it's like you're literally like, vert like you're vertically going up the hill and I didn't have it in me. I, I was like, I'm gonna stop. I can't do this. Like, what am I doing? And I just remember one of my teammates coming back, like coming, running down the hill and he came back and I was like, no, I got this. I can do this. And he's like, okay, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna walk back. I'm just gonna walk behind you. And I was on my bike and I, I just remember yelling, this is for my mama. And I made it up the hill and it's moments like those when you don't want to get out of bed because you have to get up at six in the morning to get to your trainings, to our bike rides, and you're like, well, people who have cancer don't have a choice. Like, they don't have a choice. They fight, they wake up every day, and they fight. And I thank God that I have legs that are able to take me to Alaska on a bike, that I have lungs that are able to to work that that hard and so it's just been a journey and it's a journey that's brought me closer to God that's brought me closer to people and that has taught me so much about perseverance um, the physical aspects are great right mm -hmm. um, but I think just mentally you're on a bike for a long time and so I just want this to be uh, close to the end of what my undergrad career has been and I'm ready to see like what'll be my next Alaska because I I just I don't I can't imagine myself ending there and so yeah wow mm -hmm. that's amazing walking the road you had to walk to be where you are today is unimaginable it's, it's incredible nobody want to go through this what the experiences that you have the things that you learn through this it's way more than people live a lifetime and don't know, right? So, who are your best supporters? Uh, I know you talked about your friends, your family. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Who? Um, um, I think when people talk to me, I, a lot of people say that I sound a lot older, and I think I aged like 10 years in the span of like two <laughs> um, but I don't I wouldn't be here would it not have been for my like my sister Nadia um, she's there she's there no matter what and sometimes she's a punching bag uh, metaphorically mm -hmm. <laughs> not physically <laughs> um, and she's she's there to listen and 
and she never thinks that my dreams are too crazy um, that um, yeah she just supports me like anything I, I say she's like yeah you got this um, and my cousins for sure they live in Houston and um, sadly like obviously my mom won't be there mm -hmm. um, but they they always check up on me and and they've been there asking me about just sharing the adventures with me and mm -hmm. um, just so many people like it's just a huge community of people who who have supported me and um, I I you know when I drew away from God I think um, my pastor Pastor Kelly and Patricia his wife they they knew to give me that space and like I said like they've they've been great they've been wonderful um, they give me so much advice um, that my mom obviously cannot give me anymore um, and so yeah and it's it's just been a community of people like it really does take a village and I I wouldn't be walking the stage next week would it not have been for all of them um, you know my my really good friend my best friend um, she's the love of my life <laughs> she's um, she's wonderful she lives in California but she's texts me every day and just you know I can share she's from Brownsville as well her name's Michelle and anything that's on my mind whether it be a stupid class that I didn't like or you know just life and just being able to walk through life with me and I just every single one of them have really contributed to to my growth mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just really thankful because they took they've taken the time to do that and I hope that one day I can I can pour on to somebody else like they've poured on to me so wow. yeah. wow that's great uh, talking about your dreams uh, what excites you? What inspires you every day to wake up and chase them? Oh man, so um, through traveling um, and just even at home, there's you, there's so much need. There's so much need in the world. Like you wake up and you go, and the first thing you do is maybe turn off your alarm or turn off your phone. And you realize like wow people in places don't even have this and then you go and you brush your teeth with the running water on your sink and then you realize people around the world not everybody has this and there's so many people in need so many people that just that need resources and people to fight and people to provide like I like I, I would not have be here right now would it not have been for gates and so it's it's just like this it being able to help people and just you know if it's even you I just it's just the need that there is in this world um, that really pushes me and just wanting to make my mom proud mm -hmm. um, knowing that her sacrifices were in vain and knowing that whatever she did for me, like there was a reason for it, and so definitely that. Even when I, there are days that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wake up, and 
Um, school is hard sometimes, but you just, you've got to push through that, you've got to push back through that threshold and, you know, you've got a, you've got a whole village behind you and so you just push on and continue and just continue climbing mountains and mountains after that, so, wow. yeah. What are uh, some of your life aspirations? Some of my life aspirations, well, let's see. Um, I obviously want to go to law school. Mm -hmm. I do want to be a lawyer. I will be a lawyer. Um, I one day want to be able to work for the UN as an international human rights attorney. Um, that is the dream. I want to be able to open up my own law firm. Um, I want to be able to start a nonprofit. I want to be able to um, start up a scholarship for, for kids, who, for students just like me. Um, I want to go back to Brownsville and make a change. And um, I, there's so many things, so, so many, so many things. And I know that my journey doesn't stop here. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I want to change the world um, and you know sometimes you realize changing the world is such a big picture it's such like whoa <laughs> but um, then you think about every day and changing one person's world is enough mm -hmm. and for me for me that that's that's what keeps me going that's why I have that smile on my mm -hmm. face every time you see me um, so yeah I yeah. yeah. Every little thing counts. Everything Every counts. People think it's about the big picture, but it's that little thing. That little thing changes everything. Yeah, it does. That's amazing. So considering uh, the purpose of this podcast, you are not alone. Uh, if you are given the opportunity to talk to that little girl in Brownsville or somewhere else who, who, were, who you were not too long ago, what would you tell them? What kind of advice do you have for them? <laughs> um, I definitely would tell them that life isn't linear. It's not, it's, you have so many, point A, I have to get to point A, um, and you have a plan for yourself, and it's okay to not follow that plan, because maybe that wasn't meant to be, but to just keep going, to just keep going. And um, I'm about to do bike reference, but to just literally keep pedaling, like, because the moment you stop, you fall off the bike. And it's just a matter of pedaling and continuing to pedaling because eventually you'll get to the top and then there's this great thing called a downhill. And it's so great to just go through life and it's, you get through obstacles and then you realize, wow, I made it through through that and I survived through that huge obstacle. Heck, you know, passing that final <laughs> physics exam isn't anything. Like, why am I stressing? So to just continue and anyway. to never get, like to really just never get up when you want, when you don't want to get out of bed, to just do it because you, along the day you'll see people and they'll inspire you and they'll put a smile on your face mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to cry it's okay to to want to give up but not to um, and it's okay to cry um, and it's okay to need help 
-hmm. and to cry for help because there are people around you who will help you and that you're not alone so wow yeah. that's amazing you are amazing <laughs> you're <Wow>. amazing <laughs> you're amazing and uh, people can hear your story today and see you and don't recognize you that's the from where you were a little in Brownsville to to now it's like a journey that people cannot guess right you you make it happen you crafted it and you keep yeah. working on it you I, do. Can, I can imagine what the future has in store for you I I have no idea but I used to be really I guess really anal about like things and just how life would had to plan out mm -hmm. but now I'm just kind of like throw anything at me life go ahead I can handle it so wow. it's given me a much more positive outlook on life for wow. sure that's amazing so there you have it people thank you so much for tuning into the Mamba Inspire you are not alone podcast we have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire.